Welcome into the morning quickie Monday, June 8th, as we get your week kicked off. Uh, the biggest sports news coming out of the weekend, I think, has to. There'll be a couple things, uh, but I think the first one has to be the U.S. Women's World Cup victory yesterday. Women win their fourth World Cup, extend their lead over Germany. U.S. gets their fourth. Germany has two. Megan Rapino uh, gets uh, the Golden Boot. Gets the I don't know if she won Player of the Tournament or not. So someone call her MVP, but oh, even though they actually give one out, but she was the story of the tournament. She talked the talk. Uh, talked about going to the White House before you know they had even advanced to the semifinals, and she helped get the team there. Now the attention will turn, you know, the you know the the U.S. women winning is a big deal. It was a good run. They beat the second, third, fourth place teams, include and and the host of the tournament, France, who was thought to be a co-favorite with the U.S. So on the field, a big run. Uh, but now the talk will turn to the equal pay argument, which I think is a little crazy. I've been trying to read a lot about this over the last couple of days to try to get some information because a lot of people throw numbers out that support their cause while ignoring other numbers. Right? You keep saying that, well, well, the last three years, the women's team has generated more revenue. Well, I think that's just from actual games, like uh, tickets. You know, like in 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 person, those games, uh, the the TV contracts are a are hard to differentiate because they they come in and they they buy both rights, right? So they're they're putting the the men's team and the women's team together whenever they go out and sell these sponsorships and TV rights. So they're not able to differentiate. Well, the men are getting. X amount of millions of dollars, and the women are only getting this. It's just getting lumped together. Sort of, kind of how ESPN pays the NBA and WNBA. Obviously, if they were splitting them up, you would you would see the numbers for what they are. But uh, you know, from 2016 to 2018, the women generated 1.9 million dollars more in revenue than men, 50.8 to 49.9. Wait, that number doesn't seem to check out. Maybe it's it's only point nine million more. Huh. Oh well. Uh one each other it comes with the uh the maximum pay. Right? So this lawsuit that's been filed about equal pay, it it comes down to basically some rough numbers about non tournament games because I talked about the numbers getting thrown around, right? I see a lot of people talk about the the FIFA World Cup numbers and how the women only get thirty million dollars for winning, where the men will get four hundred million or got four hundred million dollars in the last World Cup, will get four hundred forty million dollars in the next World Cup. That I think is a a distraction that the people who think the women are paid enough try to throw out there because that's not. I don't think what the women are suing for. I don't think they're worried about the FIFA World Cup winnings, although I think they want that to be more too. But when the 
Men's World Cup generates, you know, four billion dollars, while the women Cup brings in, you know, uh, one hundred and fifty million. That's a uh, that's a, a obvious. You can look financially and say, okay, of course that makes sense. But I think the women look and say, uh, just here in the U.S. with the U.S. Soccer Federation, uh, we're set to really struggle, uh, just unrelated to the World Cup, because, of course, the U.S. men's team isn't winning the World Cup. I mean, they didn't even make the World Cup the last go-round. The women look and say, for each, we have to play 20, we're bound by contract to play 20 non-tournament games. We have to go out, we have to play 20 games, friendly, showcases, whatever. And if the women won all 20 of their non-tournament games, they would max out at $99,000. Whereas if the men, if they won all 20 of their non-tournament games, they get $263,000. That comes out to basically the women getting, we'll just call it $5,000 a game, where the men would get just over 13000 per game. Not the World Cup, not FIFA, not, 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 not that stuff. It's just performance-based in their non-tournament games. Now, but then it comes back to, well, the men draw almost four times the amount of viewers in these non-tournament games. So what do you do? And that's going to be the question. That's going to be the question. It's going to get... I, I imagine this is going to end up where the women get paid more, but not equal. And whatever it comes down to in terms of what they are able to accept. The U.S. soccer is operating right now in a budget surplus of at least $150 million, uh, per reports. So maybe they have to just dip into some of that fund to pay the women a little bit more. But then the women... They get better guarantees. And what I mean by that is that the, the men are only paid if they get caught into camp. Like if the men aren't playing with the Team USA and aren't getting minutes and aren't in the camp, they're not getting paid. Whereas the women have a safety net. And the, if you're on the U.S. team, you also get paid to play in the professional league. You get health insurance. You get maternity leave uh, where those men are not getting that. However, the women were like, yeah, we don't want that anymore. Take away our guarantees to give us more money. That'd be nice. Just give us more money. We'll, we'll, we'll do without the insurance. We'll do without the, we'll do without the safety net and, and, and the salary to play in this, this U.S. Women's League. Just give us more money. And U.S. Soccer refused. Although we'll see if, we can ride, if, if the women can ride this wave in terms of at least a little momentum from the World Cup. Uh, Budweiser announced that they're going to be a big official sponsor of the National Women's Soccer League the whole season. Playoffs are going to be on the ESPN. Maybe they can ride some type of wave. The U.S. Soccer Federation is now faced with a headache, and they're faced with another one after the men's team loses in the Gold Cup final to Mexico's B team, B minus team. Uh, the U.S. had a lot of chances in the first half. Should have probably scored three goals. Didn't get any. Couldn't finish any. Uh, the biggest miss coming from Josie Altador at about the eight-minute mark where he had basically, I don't want to call it wide open, but he was open. 
He was open in front of the goal about 15 yards out and kicked it wide. He mishit it. The U.S. had about two other chances that they really should have scored. Like I said, got zero of them. Got to the half. Tied at Mexico came out. Really looked like the better team in the second half. Knocked on the door. Kept knocking for opportunities to score. And then eventually put one in the back of the net. NASCAR yesterday, uh, we had some controversy. As Justin Haley won, 20-year-old, won his first ever race at Daytona. First ever race ever, but he won it at Daytona during a controversial finish where apparently Kurt Busch was in the lead. NASCAR put out a a flag signifying that there's going to be uh, basically one more caution lap before uh, they go back to green. The leaders all went to the pits. Justin Haley stood out there. He gets in the lead, and then uh, the race gets called, basically. They're like, no, we're not restarting. The weather has knocked us out. Uh, We are going to call the race. He gets gets his first ever win. Kurt Busch, who always feels like he's getting screwed, gets screwed. Another black eye for NASCAR, as it's being called. Uh, That sport can't seem to be... Can't seem to do the right thing. Seems like they're constantly uh, fighting an uphill battle just because of they just because they keep pushing their own wagon back down the hill. Every time they make some progress, every time they seem to be doing something good, they do something that makes their fans mad. Not only are they not bringing in new fans, really, but they're making their own fans mad constantly. Ah, uh, but maybe the biggest story of the weekend. I know I talked about the women's soccer for a lot longer than I wanted to. But the biggest story of the weekend was the uh, Kawhi, Kawhi Leonard sweepstakes coming to an end. He announces he's going to the Los Angeles Clippers, and he took Paul George from the Oklahoma City Thunder with him. The NBA, I don't think they can do anything about these players texting and meeting with each other and talking about teaming up, but Paul George went from in Oklahoma City with years left on his contract and you know maybe being quietly disgruntled to all of a sudden saying, hey, I'm not happy. I want to be traded. Trade me, trade me, trade me. Uh, the Thunder were able to get a really good haul. They got five first-round picks back. And Shai Gilders-Alexander, who is a pretty solid player. Uh, Danilo Gallinari is someone who is on an expiring contract who will probably be sought after uh, come January or February, they might be able to get an extra pick for him. Now the eyes turn to Russell Westbrook. What happens with Russell Westbrook? Talks have been that they will try to trade him. I don't know what the market will be for that, but it makes sense to trade Russell Westbrook, who still has four years left on a contract that's going to pay him roughly $165 million, roughly. Doesn't make sense for Oklahoma City, who who was a fringe contender with Paul George, and I use fringe very loosely. Uh, Now they lose Paul George. It's time to hit the reset button. Their payroll got completely out of control. And like I said, they weren't going to win anything. So what do they do now? Get whatever they can for Russell Westbrook. I know Miami has been linked with uh, the Russell Westbrook sweepstakes, which would put Jimmy Butler and Russell Westbrook in the backcourt together in Miami, which would be fun, uh, but would also... 
be very highly combustible. But, you know, maybe they could get a good young player there in Bam Abadayo. It'll be tough to get any picks out of Miami. They're not really uh, they're not really uh, equipped with a lot of draft picks anymore. They've spent their, them up to try to get Jimmy Butler and to uh, shed salary at the same time. Uh, the Detroit Pistons with something maybe surrounding Reggie Jackson and some draft picks for Russell Westbrook, which would be funny to have Westbrook and Blake Griffin together, uh, two guys on the downside of their career who are overpaid. But it's a team that would probably be a top five team in the East this year if you could put Westbrook and Blake Griffin together. It would be a disaster in a couple years, but next year I think it would still be fun. Uh, the Houston Rockets, of course, in the mix for this. They want to... Uh, put their name in the ring. What uh, can they put together? And then, of course, I mean, we haven't even talked about the battle for L.A. That's going to obviously be a year-long uh, conversation. People are going to talk about that all year in terms of L.A. versus L.A. What duo's better, Paul George and Kawhi Leonard or Anthony Davis and LeBron James? The Clippers gave up a lot. They traded a lot for Paul George. They looked at it like, hey, we have to trade for this to get Paul George so that we can also get Kawhi Leonard. And then when you look at it through those lenses, it makes a lot of sense. That's something you kind of had to do. But the Clippers were faced with, you know, basically this is – they're all in on Kawhi Leonard. They tracked him for a year. They sent scouts to his games for a year trying to get him, and they were able to get him. We are at the MLB All-Star break uh, tonight – the home run derby, Kristen Yelich, um, maybe the biggest name in it, had to pull out uh, due to a back injury. If you're a Braves fan, I know you're looking forward to seeing Ronald Acuna Jr. This would be a good chance for him to uh, go to the casual fan and get in there. Uh, maybe if he could put on a good performance and get the, pat, the bat popping, uh, that will be a, a chance for him to become more of a household name. I know he's been really good you know, since he has been in the major leagues, but this is a chance for him to kind of have some crossover appeal. Didn't have long enough last year in the playoffs to really make an impact. I mean, of course, he had that, that big grand slam in game three that was a highlight of the postseason, but didn't really uh, have long enough to to capture the casual fan. Yesterday, there's a really scary issue. There's a really scary play in the Los Angeles Angels-Houston Astros game as catcher Jonathan Lucroy was carted off the field in the eighth inning after a collision at the plate uh, with uh, Jake Marinskic. Lucroy was uh, blocking the plate. Uh, the base runner went out of his way, lowered the boom, Head-to-head contact, it was uh, pretty vicious. Something you see in football as he lowers his head, put his helmet right in the side of the catcher's head. The catcher, of course, uh, misses the ball and just lays there kind of motionless for a while uh, as he gets carted off the field. It's the first time this has happened in baseball in a while, like since they made these new rules uh, where, you know, the catcher couldn't really block the plate. First collision we've had in a couple years, and it was vicious. It was ugly. He's at the hospital to get a CAT scan and will be evaluated for a possible concussion and a fractured nose. I'm going to uh, assume he had a concussion. If 
he didn't have a concussion, I would be shocked. People talking about whether or not it's a dirty play. Looks like a dirty play to me. He kind of went out of his way to lower the lower the boom. He could have avoided it. He wanted to score. That was probably his best route to score. So uh, from a team obligation, he did what he had to do for his the team that's paying him money. But, man, it seemed like a vicious, vicious, dirty play. And uh, we'll see what happens with Lucroy. And we'll see what, hap- what baseball does to respond, whether or not there'll be any type of suspension or fine for what – you know, the runner's coming down the third base line and he ends up basically a step and a half, two steps inside the base path as he kind of seeks out the catcher. We like those big hits in football. We've, we like those big hits in baseball. We just haven't seen them in a while. What we know about concussions and CTE and all that stuff. And, you know, when Buster Posey got hurt, they tried to go out of their way to, to fix things like this at home plate from happening. And now it's just happened. And maybe the all-star break will kind of push some of that to the side or maybe it'll put a highlight on it because uh, we're going to be looking with baseball in the lenses now that no other sports are are really going on. Talk a little business, truck drivers uh, on the brink of recession. Recession-like fears as wages are really going down as, you know, expenses are staying uh, similar. Trucking companies' rate ex- expectations have sunk to 2016 levels. Uh, the last time trucking hit a recession was 2016. One truck driver told uh, Business Insider his earnings were down by nearly half since last year. So uh, earnings have tanked from roughly $6,000 to $7,000 per week down to $3,500 to $5,000. And that's before he has to pay out expenses, you know, repairs, maintenance, and all that stuff. Uh, so the truck driving industry had a little bit of a boom, had a little bit of a resurgence. I knew that was something that you know, you can make a lot of money doing that people were getting into. I don't know if it was a supply and demand thing, if, you know, we were looking at needing drivers so we were paying more, or, you know, what's what's happened here to make this go down. Uh, but it's dipped year over year for six months straight. Companies needing loads have gone down by 50.3% in June. And like I said, maybe it's a supply and demand thing. The number of trucks available was up almost 30%. Uh, So maybe it's a market correction. People are making a lot of money uh, driving trucks. Now it's uh, slowing down, so it's something to keep an eye on. Maybe you'll see less trucks on the road, or maybe you'll see more angry drivers. Maybe, yeah, maybe this is the moral of the story for the morning quickie. Uh, be nice to your truck drivers for the next couple of uh, weeks because uh, things aren't going so well for them. Maybe do that. Maybe be nice to them. Maybe don't uh, get frustrated with them, and maybe don't uh, argue with them for your own safety. Like they might have a short, they might have a short fuse right now. Maybe be uh, maybe be nice. Updated poll claims that uh, Joe Biden is the only Democratic contender for the 2020 election who holds a quote comfortable lead over President Donald Trump. Biden leads Trump by 10 points, well ahead of other Democratic contenders.
It's a Washington Post ABC News poll finds Biden would lead Trump 53 to 43 percent among registered voters. Um, Kamala Harris and Bernie Sanders hold narrow leads over Trump with two points and one point each. Uh, Elizabeth Warren tie with Trump. Now, obviously, we know from uh, the 2016 election, these polls don't really mean much. Don't really mean much. Uh, but more so, I guess this is a... I feel like when a poll like this comes out, it will give a surge to Joe Biden for the Democratic nomination. When people see that, they'll be like, well, the only way we could beat Trump is with Joe Biden. So something to keep an eye on in terms of that. I feel like those are pretty uh, persuasive. But like we said also, 2016 proved that polls don't really mean anything. All right, that's enough for the morning quickie today. Sorry it's up a little bit later. Uh, I'll try to get up, get earlier, get cracking earlier. I hope you all have a good Monday. Talk Sports goes live at noon.